0: Welcome to Where Parents Talk TV. My name is Leanne Castellino. Our guest today is a mother of two. She is a child and adolescent psychiatrist at the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds at Massachusetts General Hospital. The Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds is focused on supporting the mental, emotional, and behavioral health of children and adolescents. Dr. Khadija Booth-Watkins, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I wanted to start, first of all, by asking you, what trends were you and your colleagues observing prior to the pandemic in this space?
1: So prior to the pandemic, uh, a lot of the same things existed. So people in this kind of age group or demographic were struggling with anxiety, depression. um, That was all there before the pandemic. Uh, people were having trouble. I guess adolescents had also gotten extended, so they were spending longer time in that period because people were doing more and more education, and there was college and grad school. So a lot of the things that we see post-pandemic or in the pandemic are are
0: pretty much the same. It's just a greater degree. When you look back on pre-pandemic, what would you say are some of the main contributing factors to what you described?
1: I mean, this age group is such a critical period of time. They're they're becoming individuals. They're exerting their autonomy, trying to become more independent. Although still the age group, there's some dependence. Um, their peers are, are much more influential than, than the parents at this stage. Um, so, so that in and of itself, I think creates a lot of pressure. Just trying to figure out who you are as an as a adolescent, as an emerging emerging adult. Um, But then there's so much pressure around, you know, achieving school, grades, extracurriculars. You know, what are you going to do after college? There's there's a lot of pressure. And then I think social media, people compare themselves to other people, not really knowing what exactly someone has had to go through or what hurdles they had to clear. um, But everything just looks so easy. So I think there's a lot of pressures from various places. But I I think at the core, you know, just all of these
0: pressure to achieve and, and be excellent and do well. Now, you're a parent yourself, you're, you're a mom of two, and you've got uh, two adolescents. How do you go about balancing that in your own home, while also as a professional having, you know, the body of expertise that you have on that level?
1: So I would definitely say the expertise leaves typically when you come in the door. So it's, it's a little bit harder to be a great psychiatrist at home, but, but I try, Um, we, we do, I guess, first and foremost, because I have, I'm the mother of two, you know, beautiful black boys. I do a lot of encouraging them to, to be their best selves, reminding them that they're great, um, validating their, their feelings and emotions about what, what's going on, but really trying to build them up and, and, and encourage them to not, you know, um, get too into what the media might show, portray or what they might see on the news but reminding them that, that they're great and that they're gonna achieve and that, that I'm, and that I'm ultimately gonna do everything that I can to, to see that no hurt, harm or danger comes to them I'm gonna do, do within the best of my ability to do that. Um, so that's one of the biggest things that, that I do and one of my priorities. Other than that, we really try to live in gratitude you know, it, it sometimes can be hard, but we try to really remember uh, all of the things that we we need to take time to appreciate and be thankful for. You know, at our table, we have a gratitude jar. So a couple of times a week, we fill out a card, we exchange it with whoever's at the table. We read um, the card that's been uh, written by someone else, trying really hard not to figure out who wrote it, um, but just to read it, to share. Um, so we do that a couple of times a week. And I think that really grounds us to remind us there are plenty of things that we can be grateful for and really to see the silver linings and all of the situations that we, we come across because they're there. It really is just trying to make sure that you hone in on them because sometimes it's harder to see than others.
0: You talk about um, a lot of, you know, the anxiety and and other issues that you described earlier being exacerbated by the pandemic, what concerns you the most in terms of what you're seeing during this pandemic in this age group of school age children, children in college, children in university, um, what concerns you the most?
1: what's the return to school gonna look like? You know, what what's it what's the return to high school gonna look like? What's the return to, to college and, and its kind of normal form gonna look like? So that is what concerns me the most. And, and are we prepared as you know parents, as providers, as, as schools, you know, schools to really take on whatever's gonna come. I think there's gonna be a much higher rate of school avoidance or school refusal on on as, in high schools and colleges as well. Um, Mostly because, you know, that there's, there's a group of kids and, and adolescents and young adults who struggled with social anxiety, and so going to school and, and being in those kind of social places were already difficult for them. And then I think we're going to come into some kids who, who didn't have any problems with social anxiety or anxiety, but because they've got so comfortable being home, they're going to have a hard time returning to school as well. So I think really about what the return is going to look like is really of concern to me, and are we
0: doing enough to prepare? On that note, what would you suggest, let's start with parents in this age group of children, what would you suggest are some strategies and practical tips that parents can employ as they try to not only just survive this pandemic with their children, but hopefully get out of it in a positive way?
1: So how can they support their kids, kind of not really just talking about school. Yeah. So there, there are lots of things I think that parents can do. I think first and foremost is really to validate their, the experience that they, their young person is having. You know, there's a lot of disappointment, loss and grief that they've encountered, you know, not being able to have graduation or not being on college campus like they envisioned, um, not being able to, to you know, engage in their sports and extracurricular. So it's a, it's a lot of loss. And so I think validating that. Um, so I think it's easy to say that we're in a pandemic and these things aren't as important, but I think what, what it really is is that yes, we're in the middle of a pandemic and they've, they've really suffered a lot of losses and no one thought we would be doing what we're doing right now. So I think really taking the time to validate that's gonna be really important. Um, I think secondly, it's really important as a parent or caregiver to really kind of take your own temperature, know, like, know what you're feeling and, and, and manage your feelings and emotions because it's really gonna be hard to help them manage theirs, if if we're we're not kind of put together well, and so being able to tolerate their emotions and their their feelings are going to be really hard if we are really still struggling our um, own. So those are the, probably the two top things that I think are really going to be important um, as we try to support our kids. Um, outside of that, you know, I think the buzzword is is resiliency. So I really so that but I, it, it is really important. I think really modeling and teaching our kids resilience is going to be a really important tool that, that probably one of, the, one of the best gifts we can give them, helping them to be able to you know come, come through adversity um, in a way that they don't feel kind of just burnt out. Um, teaching them how to problem solve, giving them opportunities to problem solve, um, really fostering and facilitating their social connections in, in a healthy way. Those, those things are gonna be really important as we kind of get to the end of this.
0: It's interesting because when you talk about fostering resilience and allowing them to problem solve, there are many parents and, and you know, it's been a trend for, for quite some time that want to get in there and do the problem solving for their children and clear the path as it were. And there's all kinds of names that you probably know better than I of, of, of these different groups of parents. And it probably comes from a place of love, but could you give us a sense of why you know always intervening and not allowing a child to face adversity isn't a great thing in and of itself.
1: So if you don't face adversity and you don't have the opportunity to to try to problem solve, you, you don't really have the confidence to do it when you're left to do it on your own. So I think it's it's you know resiliency resilience is not something that is automatic. It, it has to be cultivated. It has to be taught with the practice. So if you're not Practicing how to solve problems, practicing, you know, how to approach problems, is going to be really difficult to do it, and you're going to feel insecure about it, which, which really kind of starts that downward spiral of, you know, these doubts and the anxiety. So, that is really why it's important to, you know, allow your kids to, to face some adversity. You know, they might scrape their knees. We don't want them to have any major damages, but those little, little bumps and bruises along the way are really going to build up their ability to to manage and tolerate adversity in in the future.
0: Let me ask you um, and you alluded to it earlier uh, the age group that we're talking about you know youth teens um, there's so much going on those are their formative years and in many households communication is a huge issue in that uh, age and stage of, of development. Any tips for parents that you can provide on how to not just maintain, but strengthen and sustain communication with um, a youth or a teenager?
1: So listening is, is incredibly important. I think it's hard sometimes to do when you have a message that you want to send to a parent. So I think really the act of listening is really important to be able to hear what they have to say, because especially at that age, they want to be heard and they want to feel like you understand what, they, what they're trying to communicate to you. So from that standpoint, it's really important. But also, you know, you, you don't know what they need if they they don't tell you at that age. They, they typically kind of have an idea of what it is they need and what they, what they want. From them. So that's why, again, it's so important to listen. Um, you have to create a safe space for them to be able to feel invited to come and talk to you, where they, they're not going to feel judged and criticized, and they're not going to feel invalidated. Um, so this is an open, safe space. That's that's going to be another key to really having you know, open lines of communication and, and being able to have productive communication. Ultimately, that's what we want. We want them to come to us and, and help and, and, and allow us to help. Uh, what we don't want to do is shut down the communication. And I think when we are not mindful of our nonverbal cues and our in our body language really can quickly kind of shut a conversation all the way down and then, then the doors is closed and it's really hard to, to have them come back through that door again. Um, when when they feel comfortable coming to you, you can help them problem solve and, and think through thing, things You know, as a parent I like to inject safety because you know just not to think about safety. So this is your plan. That sounds great. So what are we going to do to stay safe? Uh, what if you find yourself in an unsafe situation? What, what, what's the plan? And I think those kinds of conversations are more collaborative and that's what they're looking for at this age.
0: The parents and, and children that you see in your practice, can you give us some examples of some of the more common um, situations that, that you encounter or that they encounter and bring to you? And what generally do you advise them?
1: So one of the most common challenges is really managing the remote school process um, and, and really trying to help the, the the teenager or young adult have boundaries around the, the, the screens and the devices. And so how to support them and really encouraging healthy habits. So things as simple as healthy diet, um, healthy ways to eat, uh, physical exercise, you know, those are some of just some of the common things that they're really trying to get their kids to, or or their adolescents to do. And, you know, the pandemic in this remote world has really landed to super sedentary life. Um, For even for people who are super active, it's a lot of sitting. And so how do we do these things? And really it's most of the time doing it together. So eating healthy together, having family meals at the table, uh, making the dinner time, you know, a fun, pleasurable place to be. Uh, doing activities together that are physical, whether it's hiking, walking, swimming, um, making it more of a family affair. Um, the other thing that I think uh, that, that a lot of parents are, are coming to to the table with questions and concerns about is really how much do I insert myself? So this is a 16, 17 year old, how much do I ins- insert myself in terms of what they're doing and how much do I just kind of give them the room? You know, they've made it this far. so so. What, what should I really be doing? What's going to be helpful? Um, and then along that same lines is when the college kids have come back home, you know, unexpectedly, abruptly, they're upset about it. And now they have to live under house rules. So how do you balance, you know, house rules? And just a month ago, we trusted you to be at school on your own to go and come as you please. And no one knows what time you came home. But now that you're home, we expect you to live under these house rules. So finding that balance has really created a lot, a lot of conflict between parents. Um, and and those young adults.
0: And what do you advise in that case?
1: Again, I think it's it's a collaborative process, you know, really sitting down and thinking about what battles are worth fighting, you know, what things are really important to you as a home and, and your in your values and what things are you willing to give on, Remi- remembering that this is a tough thing for them to do as well, to come back home when they had hoped to be with their friends. You know, this is again the time where Peers and connections are super important. Um, so remembering that, and, and where can you get to find the balance, and where can you negotiate? So even if it's curfew, where no one's going anywhere. But for instance, if we're talking about curfew, you know, if your curfew is twelve and they want to be two, like how do you kind of come to a middle and, and come to a place of compromise?
0: Can you tell us um, from the point of view of some of the young people that you deal with, uh, what would you say to them in just in general terms about, um, you know, how to deal with their parents during these very difficult years of development or challenging years, let's say, um, in terms of how they can better uh, enhance, improve their relationship uh, with their parents?
1: So the first thing that I usually try to encourage them to do is to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like your parents care about you. Parents, you know, 99.8% of the time want what's best and want to help you. So give them the benefit of the doubt that they're coming from a place of, you know, love and kindness and wanting what's best for you. That usually will allow you to stop and think before you respond, you know, out of anger or frustration that they're coming from a place of kindness. So so your responses is- probably gonna be a little bit more tempered. Um, and it again allows for a much more productive and pleasurable conversation. People aren't yelling and screaming and accusing and no one is listening because they just want to prove their point. Um, in addition to that, I think another strategy that I that I really encourage them to do is take us take a moment before you respond or before you come to them with with a with a complaint. Think about what it is you want to say. Uh, Think about how mad or how frustrated or how angry you are and is this a good time to have a conversation? And that's similar advice I give to parents. Is this a good time to have a conversation? If everyone's upset, it's probably not a good time. Um, Those I think are the two biggest things that I think really turn the the tables in terms of having conversations be productive um, and inviting even. Um, If I think that every time I come to you is going to be an argument, I'm probably going to avoid those conversations.
0: Definitely. Uh, for those in our audience who might not be aware of the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds, can you tell us a bit about uh, what the center's all about and what do, you, what do you do in terms of the mandate?
1: So, so we're essentially a vehicle to deliver education to, the, to caregivers, um, free, uh, it's, it's a website. So there's information about a lot of the things we talked about today, like how to manage conflict, um, how to build resilience, in, in your child, how to engage in self-care. So there are, there are a lot of useful tools there to, to really support caregivers. And caregivers can be teachers, uh, coaches, anyone who has a meaningful role in the life of, of, a, of, a, of a young person. Um, and, and the goal really is to educate and, and decrease stigma. Um, show people that you know, s- mental health is a vital part of health. Um, it's not a luxury it's something that that is 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 necessary and and psychiatrists aren't really scary people so when i think they see us and they hear us and and they engage with us i think it again helps to decrease the stigma of what what that would look like what would treatment look like what does a psychiatrist look like everyone has their ideas and their fantasies, which you know to be able to see it in in real time i think is really helpful for a lot of people
0: Any final thoughts on how parents can go about navigating this uh, challenging time during the pandemic and even beyond that, uh, with respect to supporting their children, um, you know, who might be experiencing stress, anxiety, all the things that we've mentioned in this interview, any final thoughts on, on tips for them?
1: I mean, I, I think just to remember that we're all struggling, you know, and, and you're not in this alone. There, there are resources to, to support you as a caregiver. Um, and, and with that, try to find those silver linings and have fun. Find time to deliberately have fun and pleasurable, you know, engagement with, with your young person, whether it's, again, at the dinner table or whether it's just carving out time for, for a movie or whatever it is. This is a time that you can really take advantage of because we're here and stuck together in this house and i know that sounds strange to say it's fine time to spend together but this is deliberate time that we're going to just spend pleasurable doing a pleasurable activity um, so i think those two things remember that you're not in this alone and that there are people who can help and support you and and try to try to have fun um, with with your young person